from the Financial Times. This is FT News and I'm Jyotsna Singh in Delhi. A dramatic rise in the number of people registering to pay tax in India shows the country stabilizing its tax base for the first time in its post-independence history. This is a major achievement for the government of Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Mr Modi came to power 4 years ago with the promise of transforming the economy. So how has he done so far? The FT's South Asia correspondent Kiran Stacy joins me now to discuss this. Kiran, what's behind the spike in the number of taxpayers? There are a few things driving this. I'd mentioned two in particular. The first was the so-called demonetization experiment back in November 2016 when India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi announced overnight that he was cancelling 86% of the country's banknotes. He said at the time that was all about forcing people who have stocks of notes at home that they're hiding from the taxman to declare it and to bring it back into the banking system. Now at first it seemed that that hadn't really worked in filtering out a lot of black money because almost all of that money did come back into the banks but now that it's there people are starting to have to declare their wealth for the first time so that's one important thing the second is the introduction of the new national goods and services tax now the way this works is that every business no matter how small has to register for the GST even if they don't actually have to pay anything underneath it they have to register for it to be able to claim tax credits on goods that they buy that they then sell on This means that a load of small traders have now signed up to pay tax for the first time. Now they may not actually pay any GST, but what it seems they are doing is declaring for income tax at the same time because now with a lot of these tax records online and digitally accessible, they realize that the tax authorities could match up their GST declarations with their income tax declarations. So what we've seen is a huge spike in the number of individuals paying income tax. India has had a very narrow tax base how significant is this expansion India's tax to GDP ratio at the moment is about 17% that means tax revenues account for 17% of its annual economy for want of a better word that is pretty low so the OECD average is 34% every other member of the BRICS group of nations is higher the only countries that are lower regionally are places like Bangladesh and Pakistan which have even worse problems with tax evasion. But the reason that this is so significant is not just because of the size of the increase it's also because it's happening when economic growth hasn't been at its highest. So traditionally what happens is as the economy grows people get richer they start declaring for tax for the first time. This isn't that. This isn't just people getting richer. This is people who had never declared before declaring even though they haven't necessarily got richer. So we're not seeing the kind of growth that you saw in the mid 2000s in India when the economy was booming at about 8 or 9%. Instead it's been at times below 7% and yet still we're seeing a fairly significant expansion of the tax base that shows that this is the kind of reform that might actually stick the country's chief economic advisor a man called Arvind Subramanian thinks that that 17% might become 18 or 19% over the next year or two which would be significant so more people registering to pay taxes is quite good news but a lot of tax reforms are still needed Do you think better tax compliance will help those reforms? 
India's tax code is incredibly complicated. There are all sorts of exemptions for various political reasons. There are various different rates. Let's take the GST, for example. I mean, this has only just been enacted, and yet it's still incredibly complex. So it has about six different rates that you can pay. It has various additional rates on top for things that politicians really want to discourage, like cigarettes. It doesn't cover certain things like land and property. So what I think people would ideally like to see from that, or certainly economic reformers would like to see, is a much simpler system where you reduce it down to, say, two rates maximum, where there is no difference across huge categories of goods where almost everything is included and it's easy to pay. The problem is those reforms are difficult to make politically. So, for example, on income tax, one major reform would be to start including farmers for the first time. So nobody, pretty much, who works in Indian agriculture pays any income tax. If they did so, it would be a huge boost for the government coffers. The problem is farmers tend to vote, and they vote en masse. They vote in blocks. So no politician wants to go near the very controversial subject of taxing them for the first time. Well, it might be that as more and more people start to come into the tax net... Maybe the government can start to reduce rates. Maybe it'll become more acceptable to tax people that have never been taxed before. We'll see whether that happens. Finally, transforming the economy was one of Mr. Modi's key election promises when he came to power in 2014. With less than a year before general elections, what do you think are some of his biggest economic successes and failures? Well, the biggest successes have been... Certainly the expansion of the tax base is one. Another has been simply the implementation of the GST, which was stalled for decades as politicians argued about how to do it. The new insolvency and bankruptcy code seems to be making a big difference. The first major companies are going through that process now. Now, if you can unlock that, what you will end up with is fewer so-called zombie companies, which simply carry on operating for cash but can't grow, can't invest because they are, to all intents and purposes, bankrupt. And instead, you might see a clear out of some of those debts. You might see a clean up of the banking system. The government has also recapitalized the bank. So the banking system should be in a much better state than it was. However, one of the big failures has been the failure to actually start privatizing more of the publicly owned banks. So publicly owned banks have historically held much bigger portfolios of bad debt. They've made essentially worse lending decisions than their private sector counterparts. And yet still most of India's banking takes place through these publicly owned banks. The government has not felt able to start selling them off and putting them into private hands. Another failure has been the complexity of the GST and the fact that it has taken a long time to actually implement key parts of it. So it's certainly not the good and simple tax that we were originally promised. I think demonetization has essentially been a failure. What it did, although it has maybe in the long term helped increase the tax base, it also put the brakes on an economy that was booming and it certainly hurt a lot of poorer people in India. But I think the main thing that people feel that Mr Modi has failed to do is take advantage of the massive mandate he was given in 2014 to really push through some of the hardest economic reforms. So, for example, increasing the limits for foreign investment into things like multi-brand retail or selling off banks or selling off other publicly owned companies. There are nettles he has failed to grasp, but who knows, if he wins a second term, this stuff might be on his agenda. Thanks, Kiran. Thanks for listening. This is Jyotsna Singh in Delhi saying goodbye.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.